do 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 here we go my name's todd and this is kathy welcome back to yet another episode of zen parenting radio this is podcast number 329 does that sound right I yes. Sweetie, don't give me nodding. I need I need voice. I know it's fine. We just always tell them the number and yeah, we, we should know. probably write it down. Whatever. Um, so on today's show, we're going to talk about pain. Correct. But first, I want to give a shout out to a friend. I made a friend this week. Who? It's the guy that works in Elmhurst. His name is Leo. Okay. And he's he, he just said the guy that works in Elmhurst, like he's the only one. He he works for a company called um, On Callers, and okay. they fix like iPhones and iPads and things like that. Oh, good. And we need him lately. Yeah, we've had some issues, and yes. it's just weird. We kind of it, he was helping me fix the iPad, and it took a lot of time. So we had time to chat. Uh huh. And I just love this guy. His name is Leo. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to give him a shout out. He's from Albania. Yeah. And um, this, do you remember that part in Cheers? Albania. Here we go. No, no. No. One, two, three. Albania. <laughs> Albania. You border on the Adriatic. Your land is mostly mountainous, <laughs> and your chief export is chrome. You got that? I do. I remember that. I love Cheers. I loved Coach, and I love my new friend Leo. So I wanted to give him a quick free plug for those of you who live somewhere in the western suburbs and you have a gadget that needs to be fixed, he's your guy. He is over by Starbucks, right? He's right by the Starbucks. It's oncallers.com. His number is 855-WE-FIX-99. That was nice. So thank you, Leo. Thank you, Leo. So anyway, so we're going to talk about pain. Pain. We're going to talk about something else, but Sweetie switched it up as we're about to press record. A little before that. Yeah, a little before. I Three or four days ago, I really wanted to talk about one thing, but then things change, and I read other things, and then I change. I, when I, it's time to change, change you've got, got to, to rearrange. Because I only want to talk about something that's, like, fresh I know. If I have soul. a great idea... Actually, you had a great idea, whatever, th- four days ago, uh-huh. and the idea has come and gone. It has. It kind of moved through already. So here we are. As does pain. Yes. As you're about to teach us. Yes, I. So, there's a few things that happened. Um, I was talking to my students, my college students, last week about pain. So it kind of brought up, you know, I working with that curriculum. It brought it all up for me again. Also, a um, a little clip from a Conan O'Brien show from 2012 uh, with Louis C.K. Yeah. had made a. It was viral a long time ago, but it reviralized. Is that a word? It, it is went now. viral again. Yeah. And so that came up about about pain. I also uh, read Glennon Melton's book um, yesterday, and she talks a lot about pain. And so there was just a lot of things that I think, and also personally. I've had some pain yeah. um, that I've had to deal with myself. So there's been, it's just in the ethers. And 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 when I say this, I don't mean this is going to be necessarily a heavy show. I think the the bottom line of pain is that we can handle it. Can you think of any movie lines that has the word pain in it? Because I have a few just off the top of my head. I know one. What is it? Pain don't hurt. And what's that from? Roadhouse. And there's the, uh, more, the line from Jim Morrison in The Doors, and he says to Pamela, let me introduce you to my friend Pain. <laughs> Jim. And then there's the guy from Silence of the Lambs who says, Precious, you don't know what pain is. Yeah. And you know what? He's being honest because the only reason that dude, and I know it's a made up story, everybody just work with me. <laughs> um, the only reason that dude is doing what he's doing is because he was hurt. Yeah. Something happened to Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. Precious. What I mean is his pain of not being accepted is or, the issue. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but pain isn't a bad thing. We have to accept pain when it shows up. Right. Not, not, with enthusiasm, but no, it's a part of the human condition. And, and the the problem is, is, you know, going to talking about this issue is, is children, unless their parents role model this or talk to them about this, they don't know that. They just know pain sucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today I was watching, um, uh, Ian La Fix My Life yeah. with Cameron, which is funny because that show is so like heavy. Who's Cameron? My daughter. Okay. 
Um, and but my middle daughter loves this show. She just loves Ianla Van Zant. She yeah. just digs her. Who's Ianla? Oh, Ianla is this wonderful teacher um, who is uh, been around for a long time. But she has an interesting story of coming and going. Mm-hmm. Meaning she has her own pain story before she became famous, and then she had a rock bottom where she really hadn't dealt with all of her wounds, and then she came back. But um, I've been reading her books and following her. You know what I told Cameron? I said. Cameron, probably the reason you like Ianla so much is because when I was pregnant with you, mm. I used to watch a show called Starting Over. I remember. Do you remember? I do. And it was, so this was 11 years ago or whatever, and it was on WGN? Yeah, some like non-national show. And it was basically a self-help show. Yeah. And it was Rhonda Britton, who was a life coach, and Ianla Van Zant, who was a life coach. And these all these women were in a house together. And they had issues. And gosh, you know what I remember so well because we're taping this on uh, on September 11th is one of the girls in the house. Her mother had died in the towers, mm. and it was a year later. Yeah. So this must have been fourteen. No, it must have been two. Or, it must have been two or three years later. Right. Um, but it was enough years later that she was still couldn't grapple with the grief and the pain um, because I think we're fifteen years out. Yeah. And so, but anyway, I just remember her being in the house. But anyway, Ianla was one of the coaches, and they were just so good. And then I went to see Rhonda Britton in Chicago, and I remember I asked a question. Yeah. And she totally made fun of me in the good coaching way. I said, I just feel like this and this. And she was like, oh, poor baby. (laughs) I was like, oh, like I was in a room full of people. I was a little, it was a little shaming. Yeah. But you wouldn't have handled it the same way. Maybe not. But she was driving her point home, which was take responsibility for yourself. That's right. Um, Don't play the victim. Don't play the victim. So anyway, uh, Ianla has been a part of our life. But we were watching that show and... Um, why did I bring that up? I don't know. That's a heck of a tangent, but that's all right. Well, there was a reason. I let's, know. let's backtrack a little bit. Beep. With beep, that. Thank you beep, for not playing beep. that in my ears. Um, How about- oh, I know what it was. Oh, good. It's that we were watching the show, Yanla Fix My Life on OWN, and at the at the end they were showing some some clips and I started to cry because it's a show about these women healing and and I started to cry. And she came over to me. My daughter did. And she goes, Mom, no, 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 no. It's okay. No, no, no. Kind of like she was so uncomfortable. I sat her down. I go, honey, this is so okay what I'm doing right now. I know you're uncomfortable and I honor that. Mm -hmm. But understand that this is exactly what my body needs to do. Yeah. Like I see that and I feel what those people are feeling and it hurts and, and I cry for myself, for them. And she was like, I know, I know. But kids naturally think that pain is uncomfortable and they want it just to stop. And and when they see their their parents cry or when they see an adult cry, it just, they want to run. Well, you can say kids or you can say most human beings. Right. I mean, you're somebody who welcomes it, not not with joy, but when it comes, you allow it to come in. I usually try to distract myself, quite honestly, from it. And a few days ago, when I was crying and you and I were talking in... um, in our bedroom Mm -hmm. and my oldest daughter peeked in and I said, I said, you can come in, honey. It's all right. And she was like, no, no, no. And then I heard her bouncing off the walls in the hallway because she in discomfort gets energized. Yeah. Not energized, like happy, but like it. She doesn't know what to do. There's something going on inside of her. Yeah. So she has to dissipate the energy physically. It bounces off the walls where she makes noise and like hits things. And And later when she came in, I said, let me tell you what was going on. Like, and this is why I was feeling this way. And um, it was completely appropriate for me to talk to her about it because it involved, it was some stuff going on with me. And she was like, oh, okay. Because in... I think my point is, is that it's not like we're constantly crying in front of our children. That's not the case. But that we can role model when a feeling is coming through. Not only do I feel it, but I can handle it. They don't have to carry it. And once it's moved through, I'm fine. That's what we're trying to show them. Right. Very good. Um, Should we play Louis C.K.? Yeah, start with that. But before you put it on. Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about any of our stuff coming up. Okay. Screenagers and stuff. Do you want me to do a quick rundown? Yeah, real quick. Screenagers, uh, Monday, September, September 26th, 
literally those tickets are flying out every day. So we're going to try and get a bigger theater, but Todd doesn't know for sure if we're getting one. What do you say up to that? Or do you know? Um, we have a big theater, but we don't have the biggest one, but we'll see. I okay. So just get your tickets. Go to zenparentingradio.com, click events, and get your tickets. Because we do have some left right now, but every day they're like ding, ding, ding. Um, the next thing, of course, is the uh, Zen Parenting Let's Get Real conference, February 24th and 25th. Um and you guys know who's coming. Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, Ali Smith, possibly others, um, Todd and I. Get your tickets before September 30th because that's when the early bird goes away. Don't wait because you're going to save so much money if Carpe. you do it this way. Carpe diem. That's right. Make the plan. Um, and then Soul Love Fest is this weekend. This Saturday. This Saturday. Uh, Soul Love Fest, Oswego, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago, a little further than Elmhurst. Actually, a lot further. Yeah. Um, and it is this awesome, I mean, just the name, Soul Love Fest. Lots of yoga, lots of health, holistic practices, lots of zen. Um, and Todd and I are speaking Saturday morning at 9.45. Yep, it's going to be fun. And then regarding the conference, if there's anybody out there that is connected to any businesses, um, we would love for to partner up and have some sponsors. We already have like nine sponsors, but we would like to give our audience, you know, the the attendees, um, the ability to connect with like-minded businesses like ourselves. So if you're connected to any business, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I will get you some information regarding partnering with us. So all those events, if you're interested in any of them, go to zenparentingradio.com, click on events and you'll see all three of them there. And before I play Louis CK, our first partner is uh, Dr. John Kelly from uh, our dentist from the northwest side of Chicago. Uh, he's comprehensive dentistry. You can learn more about John, our good friend, at chicagodentistonline.com. So um, so do you want to set up Louis C.K. or no? Um, I do. I want to say this. Um, this, I think, we played on a show in 2012. Yeah. So this might be a repeat no, of something we played before. Nobody's going to remember. Well, not only may you, you may not remember, but I've watched it five times since Friday, and I think it's so powerful. And as Todd and I often say on this show, um, you know, about Louis C.K., is he's a genius when it comes to human behavior, and that is why he's such a good comedian. And he's also got a great heart. Yeah. For everything he says that is shocking mm -hmm. and like, oh, my gosh, I, he, he gets it. So... So play this person, right? Yes. No one can. They've got to. Uh, you got to check because, there, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing that empty forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that. Yes. 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 I. Yes. Yes. Just I know that, what you're that talking about. Knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it. You're in your car. And you start going, oh, no, here it comes <laughs> that I am alone. Like it starts to visit on you. you know? So he goes on to explain that that always alone, that empty feeling, which many of us would call that lonely feeling or that what's it for feeling or, you know, oh, my gosh, I really feel very small in this big world. Um, that's the pain. That and, and how do most of us? address that when that happens. Well, this clip, he actually is talking about cell phones. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about that what we do as soon as we feel that feeling is we start texting somebody. And why... Or checking Facebook or whatever. Social Doesn't networking. Matter. We just try our best to escape. Yeah. And he goes on to say, because we're not going to play the whole clip, we're going to play the last part, but not this part. He goes on to say that people are willing to basically drive and text and possibly like get in an accident and hurt other people or hurt themselves before they're willing to sit in that discomfort. Yeah. And so this next clip, he explains what he did instead. Because he wrote, he wrote yeah. first. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, I started to get that sad feeling and I was reaching for the phone and I said, you know what, don't. Just be sad. Just let the sadness right. stand in the way of it and let it hit you like a truck. And I let it come and bruise, and I just started to feel, oh my God. And I pulled over and I just cried like a bitch. I cried so much. 
And, uh, and it was beautiful. It was like this beautiful, it was just this sadness is poetic. You're, you're lucky to live sad moments. Real quick, it's funny, like the audience doesn't, doesn't know, know how to, to react. Like they're, they're kind, uncomfortable. They're kind of laughing. They're like, is this a joke? Yeah. Is he being real? And yeah. I think he's being more real than he's ever been. And then I had happy feelings because because when you let yourself feel sad, yes. your body has like antibodies. It has happiness that comes rushing in, rushing in to meet the sadness. So you're, I was grateful to feel sad, and then I met it with true, profound happiness. It was such a trip, you know. And the thing is, because we don't want that first bit of sad, yeah. we push it away with like a little phone third <laughs> for the food. <laughs> okay, you can you pause it now. Is that good? Yeah. So what he just said is what I talked to my college class about last week. I thought I actually started the class by showing that clip because it's the piece that we do not trust that is the truth about human beings. And what that piece is, is if you allow for that pain to be felt, if you allow for that sadness to hit you, like he said, like a Mack truck, because sometimes mm -hmm. it feels that way, there is something that our body knows to do, which is it meets the sadness with what he calls the happy feelings or a wave of like an endorphins or whatever you want to call it, uh, some kind of hormonal mm -hmm. release, that it meets it. I just call it grace because there's this Thing that happens to me when I'm crying, when I when I feel that pain and you kind of go over that threshold where you're like, you're feeling the pain and something comes up to meet it and I almost get weirdly giddy, which is why sometimes when we're sobbing, we start to laugh at the right. end. It doesn't mean that you no longer have the sad feelings at all. It's almost just like, again, grace is something in our body knows how to tolerate it. And the book I'm having my students use this semester, it's called Born for Love, and it's all about empathy. And that book explains that that's exactly how we're built. It's like when we're in childbirth and we're going through the pain of childbirth, our body rushes in to support us in that pain. It, it, it helps us numb some of, and when I say numb, I'm not using it in the psychological way. In the physical way, it starts to help us with that birth if we're doing it in the way where there's nothing else, right. you know, mixing in with it. And but we don't trust that. We don't trust that we can help ourselves and that when we're falling, we can catch ourselves. We think that we will fall into that abyss of loneliness. Right. Yeah. I know. I hear you. I'm sorry. I don't have anything, but I'm, I was, you were about to say what I was going to say, which is, you know, you're, you don't think anything is ever going to catch you. Yeah. And it's a scary place. It it's is. a really scary place. And I think most of us are not willing to do that, whether it's pop a pill or, listen or text somebody on the phone or drink beer or whatever it is, we will do anything to avoid that uncomfortable feeling. And if we're built to allow for that feeling to come in, how is it that we got so screwed up is my question. Well, I think it's a practice and I think it's cultural. I think that our... Um we have seen, again, living what you want your kids to learn, we have seen in our own homes how our significant others or our primary caregivers have been unwilling to feel, mm -hmm. um, or we haven't seen, maybe they haven't, but they've done it behind closed doors. So we haven't had a role modeled for us that it's okay. We've also, when we were little, had such extreme pain and have, we've been disciplined for it, right? Um, especially boys. Um, we have, or especially, you know what, I shouldn't say that because boys get disciplined for, or often uh, criticized for crying um, or for being upset or whatever it is. But girls are often criticized for being overdramatic and sensitive. So we're getting it from two different directions. You know, it, it, both genders suffer the discomfort of the adults. Yeah. The adults are in such discomfort that they tell the children to stop. So it's a cycle. Yeah. And then we have our society that says, oh, someone in your family passed away? Okay, go to the wake and I'll see you tomorrow at work. Our society doesn't believe in a grieving process. Our society thinks we should get over things and move on as if we're in a race somewhere, as if there's somewhere we got to get, right. you know, don't miss a day of work and be sad because you might miss it then. Right. Miss what? Mm -hmm. Versus actually feeling a loss and experiencing that in a deep well, way. Well, and I, you had two miscarriages, so um, that we, we know people who have had it, have miscarriages and not to judge, but... Plenty of them 
acted as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. Like the next day they were fine. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, I, I think that there's probably a lot of people out there that didn't allow for that sadness actually to to reside. I think if it's a miscarriage or a loss or a death in the family or a loss of a job or a separation or a divorce or a possible diagnosis, I think people just keep moving. Mm -hmm. And they, instead of really sitting down and feeling that Mack truck hit them where they could actually have that grace come in that gives them a clear head. Because the problem with the pain is that unless we let it hit us and we let it kind of move through us, then it clouds us. It clouds our thinking because we're in constant fear that we might possibly feel it soon. Mm -hmm. So we're running. Like I have a girlfriend that I've been talking to for a while about this very thing that there is some pain that she needs to feel and or she doesn't want to feel and she asks me what do you think I should do and I keep saying stop stop running and when I say running I don't mean running away just not you know not literally slow down and stop filling up your time stop thinking there's something to fix just stop and feel it but I think that's terrifying that's terrifying why because then we have to look at every aspect of it and possibly take responsibility for some of it or actually feel the, the what's the word I'm looking for, how someone maybe deceived us mm-hmm. or how someone that we trusted actually shouldn't have see been trusted. See a situation with a clear set of eyes. Correct. So not only do we have to see our own responsibility, but we may have to look at somebody differently. Yeah. We may have to feel the truth of something. But... What's the you know biggest quote? The truth is what sets you free. That's right. And um, I think that that unwillingness, and then this goes into being still, and this goes into meditation. And meditation is not a practice, so then we necessarily have the greatest life in the world. Meditation is a practice to feel what we're experiencing in the moment and allow it to process through. Right. You know, my... And again, there's other reasons for it too. That's not the, I'm not putting a period at the end of that sentence. It's just one of the reasons we do it. Whenever I'm feeling something pretty heavy, um, like I'm feeling sad or uh, scared about something, that is my be still practice. That is my meditative practices. I have to go look at this in my mind or feel it in my body. Right. It doesn't always go away right away. No, it's on its own agenda. It sure is. Even though we sometimes probably want to decide Okay, I'm done with you. It might not be done with you. Okay, I looked at you. Okay, I felt it. Now what? Now when am I going to start feeling good? It may not be done. Are we ready for Glennon? Well, let me just say first um, that Glennon Doyle Melton's book came out uh, the other day, three days ago. Yeah. Um, And Oprah picked it as a Oprah book club. Lucky her. I know. Um, And it's called Love Warrior. And uh, I, I actually highly recommend it. I mean, I think especially, no, it's good for men and women. It's a woman's memoir, but I think men could learn a lot from reading it. Not because our lives are identical to hers, but there's some feelings. She has a good way with words where she explains difficult feelings with visual imagery or with metaphor where you go, oh, now I get that. That's why metaphors are so powerful. They are. It's Brene Brown does the same thing. Yeah. They they have this, and Elizabeth Gilbert does the same thing. A way with words where you can explain something in a way where you can actually kind of hold it in your hand and go, okay, now I get that. So this book came out, and she was on Super Soul Sunday today, because again, we're taping this on Sunday. And in her book, she talks a lot about pain. So go ahead and play that clip. Here we go. What happens when we transport ourselves out of the pain is that we miss all of our transformation. Because everything that we need to know to become the people we were meant to be is actually inside of our hot loneliness. So when we jump out of it, when we jump off our mat, we are like um, caterpillars who jump out of our cocoon right before we would have become butterflies. You know, so all of those easy buttons I was using, mine were food and booze and um, drugs, but you know, some people's are, are sex and shopping and um, unkindness, overworking, and unkindness. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, because when I feel someone's been unkind, I know that all that just happened is that they just felt the hot loneliness, but they don't know how to be still with it. So they just treat it like a hot potato and pass it on to the next person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But pain is not a hot potato. Pain is a traveling professor. And it just goes and knocks on everyone's door. And the smartest people I know are the people who say, come in and just don't leave until you've taught me what I need to know. 
that good? To mm-hmm. their pain. There's a forty. There's forty more seconds. I didn't know how much of it you wanted to do. Okay. I think that's the gist. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, Tony a little bit in that he talks about the difference between pain and suffering. Pain is when your model of the world does not match your reality, and suffering is when your model of the world does not match your reality, and you feel powerless to do anything about mm-hmm. it. And that's what I thought of when I when I listened to that. And you know, there was some words that she used that I just kind of listening, re-listening to that uh, was important. She actually used the language when you jump off your mat, mm-hmm. and that's yoga language right. because the thing about yoga. Um, the whole issue of yoga is obviously moving and breathing and, you know, getting in touch with your body, but it's also the ability to stay somewhere without jumping. It's the ability to go into a position that's uncomfortable or scary or new and not retreat. Um, it's the ability to be uncomfortable, maybe fall and then try again. Mm. Yoga has a lot of connection to real life. Um, You know, people often say, take your yoga off the mat, which is whatever you're learning in your yoga practice, don't just do it in the class. Use it in the real world. It's kind of like going to church. Absolutely. You can be mindful and love everybody in church, but if you're, you know, cursing somebody out because they cut you off as you're exiting the church... Not sure how much you learned at church. You haven't taken the lessons and and really integrated them into your life. And the other thing that she talks about that's important, and this is the really the core of the problem with pain. And when I say the problem, the pain is actually okay, but the problem of not feeling pain is then we do use numbing behaviors. Um, And the next clip that we're going to play, don't play it yet, but um, Brene Brown's uh, clip is she talks a lot about what we do to numb also. But this is where majority, if not all, of addiction stems from, is when we are unwilling to feel our pain or when that hot loneliness, and it's interesting, both Louis C.K. and Glennon call it hot loneliness, Mm. when that comes up, that feeling of pain or, oh, no, we reach for something. And all of us have different things that we reach for. I would say that now, what do I reach for? Um, I still reach for food occasionally. I, I wouldn't call myself like an overeater or binge eater, but I am cognizant. I will actually even say out loud, I am eating now because I'm annoyed about something. Right, because if you can at least admit it, that's the next. That's a step you have to take in order to maybe stop doing it. There is a consciousness. most people unconsciously do it and don't even recognize that this is why they're doing it. Yeah, it's so almost... So you're like halfway there. <laughs> right. Like I'll be sitting and, you know, we'll be sitting in the kitchen. I'll be annoyed about something and talking about something and there'll be like a bowl of grapes and I'll just be eating them. And again, I know they're grapes. That's not bad. But my point is, is that I'm not even hungry. Yeah. But it's almost like I'm feeling this, so I need to do something about it. Yeah, you're getting your grape fix in. Sweetie. I'm getting some I'm getting some kind of fix. And again, it can be worse. I can, you know, get the French fries and the chocolate cake or whatever it may be. I think food is an issue for all people, not just women, but I think men do it too. Um, obviously there's alcohol, there's drugs, there's shopping, there's sex, there's um you know, uh, TV, yeah. Netflixing, yeah. like there, I saw this really, you know, there's so many funny, uh, little memes on social networking about, you know, I have all these things to do. I have to get this done, get this done, get this done. But first I'm going to watch this whole season of arrow or whatever. Yeah. You know? I don't know how people do that. We they escape. Yeah, I know. And, and we escape, but I can't do more than one we have we ever watched any more than two episodes of anything in a day? Maybe three. We tops. might have had a few times. Where I understand we... how people can just lock in for a weekend. It's just like too much. Like I want to like process some of the stuff I'm looking at. Yeah. Well, because if there is a comfort in that place, like uh, if they're like this is easier. Because here's the key, Todd. That can be easier to lock in and shut everything out than to actually feel what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they they're finding more peace in that. Even before Netflix came around, I remember this is long time ago before we were even married. I was friends with this girl that I used to work with and she went through this big breakup and I'm every weekend, you know, we'd work together until Friday and sometimes my girlfriends and I would go out and get a drink afterwards and she'd say, no, I'm just going to go home on the weekends. What I do is I go into my bedroom. I watch TV from the moment I get home until like Sunday night and then I get up and go to work. And I was, and I would always be like, ha ha ha. She's like, no, I really do that. It's a heck of an existence, my goodness. I know. And she was like 25 at the yeah. time. She was really young. 
but I think to her, that was safer than dealing with whatever it was. Whatever it was. Yeah. You know? Um, do we want to go to Pema? Um, actually, go to Brene. Before I go to Brene, I want to okay. talk about our second partner, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, chiropractics actually help with uh, pinched nerves, PMS, pregnancy, scoliosis. I don't even know what that means. You, you know what scoliosis what is. What is it? Is it like a skin thing? No, it's where your spine is um, not in alignment, where you actually have a curvature of your spine. Didn't you have to bend over and have your spine checked in, in gym class? No, I don't remember any of that. Oh my gosh, girls had to get that done every year. Really? And then some girls would have to so wear scoliosis the scoliosis. Is like the humpback of Notre Dame, that guy? Oh, it's not always a humpback, honey. It's like a, uh, it's like a curvature, like an S curvature of the spine, and sometimes it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. There's many people you know right now who have a form of scoliosis, yeah. but there's also people you've probably seen who wear the brace on their body to keep their spine straight. Got it, like Gump. No, but he had braces. He on had his braces on his legs. legs. I hate to use this example because it's a comedy, um, but in Sixteen Candles, remember Joan Cusack? Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah, a, yeah. now that's an old school scoliosis brace. Like obviously they aren't as constrictive right. all the time, but that's a real thing. Yeah. And some people have it worse than others. Dr. Kelly, she knows a lot more than I do, but that's not saying a whole lot because I didn't know what it was just now. You sure didn't. Uh, Chirotree.com. That's Dr. Kelly. Um, who's Brene Brown, sweetheart? Well, I think anybody who listens to this show knows that Brene Brown is a researcher and she researches vulnerability, shame, um, and our ability to feel um, and how that leads to us being healthier people. Her most recent book um, was about failure and uh, rising strong, wasn't it, Call Sounds right. We did a whole show on it. Yeah. Um, but in this clip, she's talking about this very thing we're discussing. And real quick, um, if you ever are interested in any, like we're, we, we're going to do a Pema children mm-hmm. thing and... Uh, we have a search box on our website, so you can just type in Brene Brown and you'll be able to get, because we've talked about talked about Brene probably in 10 different podcasts. So if there's a topic or a person that floats your boat, put them in the search box and you can find podcasts specific to that topic. So here's uh, Brene. This is when I knew we were kindred spirits, for real, because you included my favorite law, Newton's third law of motion here. I've always known that this law applies directly to our lives. It's just not some physical formula. It's huge. And so the whole idea that for every action, there is an equal reaction. Yep. And so when something happens and we, and it emotionally juices us up, yes. that, doesn't, that doesn't just dissipate into the air. So right. for every time I feel hurt or feel ashamed or feel angry, I'm going to do something with that. Yeah. Or that energy is creating its own thing already that's coming back. Right. That's why it may not show up, you know, immediately, but it just gets passed on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah, There was like these very patterned ways that people offload hurt and emotion instead of feel it. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's anger and blame and avoidance. There's folks who push it down. I call it chandeliering. They push it down so far that they think they've got control of it. And then a seemingly innocent comment mm-hmm. or something happens and they just, Oof. Yeah, yeah, straight up to the chandelier. Yeah. They go into a rage. And I mean, and if you've ever worked with someone like that or were raised by a parent like that, that's trauma inducing. That's eggshell environment. Absolutely. You know, and so for every action, there's a reaction. It's going to surface somewhere. The other thing that people... Good. You can stop there. Okay. There's about 40 seconds left. I don't know if there's anything at the end of that clip that you wanted to have. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the core of it, which is that feeling something's got to happen with it. Yeah. I think we believe that the act of repressing it or pretending we didn't feel it or talking ourselves out of being hurt by it will somehow dissipate it. But really, that's just like putting a big blanket over it and thinking that nobody can see it. And we've talked about how that turns sometimes into dis-ease. Absolutely. Like either an uneasiness inside of us or it could truly turn into a disease. Absolutely. Things deep, we, and again, this is not woo-woo stuff anymore. We know that what happens in our mind and what we think and the emotions that we stuff come out in our physical body. Mm. They have nowhere else to go. Like emotion 
energy in motion, emotion, when it comes through, unless it's released, processed, discussed, cried through, talked through, written through, therapied through, unless we allow it to do what it naturally does, because here's the thing, the most natural thing is the emotional response. What we are doing by repressing it is the unnatural thing. So, but let's get clarification on that because, okay, option one, repress, stuff down, don't let out. Correct. Option two, respond. You could respond with anger and lash out at somebody else. That's not healthy. No, it's not. That's the hot potato thing that Glennon was talking about. And Brene is just saying that if you don't deal with it, you will pass it on. Hot potato just meaning like you're, you're, you don't want it. So you, you throw it to somebody else. So that's else. option two. Correct. And let me give an example of when I say throw it to someone else. What that means is you're feeling all this anger, all this frustration, whatever it may be, and somebody walks by you and by accident taps your arm meaning they're just kind of brushing by you or they forget to hold the door and you freak on them. So what they did was completely not a big deal, but you act as if your child spills a glass of water Mm -hmm. and you freak out because all that energy, all of that emotion that you haven't felt or worked through or recognized or become conscious of gets passed like a hot potato to the next person you see. Or in terms of relationships, um, unless you're dealing with your relationship on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, whatever it is, it could end up biting you. We talk about, you know, many meltdowns and, you know, let's say, um, a wife goes nuts on a husband because he's 10 minutes late. Right. It's not because you're 10 minutes late. No. It's because the other 25 things that the two of you didn't deal with before that. She just explained that it's called chandeliering. Yeah. And what that means is that you've repressed, pushed down, pushed down, haven't discussed, haven't looked at. And then when something makes that volcano blow. Yeah. You hit the chandelier. But the guy will go back to the bar with his buddies and say, my wife just went nuts because I was 10 minutes late. Same thing we do with our kids. Yeah. Our kid is drawing something. They're erasing it. The page rips and they throw the pencil, crack it, fall down on the ground and cry. And we say, that was not worthy of crying over. Mm -hmm. Ripping the page, you should not be crying about that. And what we're not understanding is that was their last straw. 15 other things have happened before that page ripped. And some of them may have involved you. (laughs) And then when that page ripped, that was the last straw. Mm -hmm. So we give them grief for, you know, being upset about the ripped page, but that was never it. Right. It was, wow, if if that, he or she is that upset about that ripped page, there's a lot of emotion under there. Right. Something else is going on. Right. Uh, Do we want to go to Pama? Um. The other thing, not quite yet, um, because the other thing that she spoke of was, you know, eggshell. We've talked about this before as well, but be conscious if of if you're one of those people that is the don't go there people, meaning that if when someone talks about a certain issue or if they ask you a certain question that you go from zero to 60 Mm -hmm. and that people don't really know how to be around you because they don't know what to talk about that won't send you through the roof. It's the, and you know, she says it's like walking on eggshells around that person and what you're doing. If you are that person that everybody's walking on an eggshells is no one can be their true selves because there's no room for failure in there. Okay. There's no room for possibly saying something that, you know, that wasn't thought through. Right. Like all of us are saying things without knowing how it's going to affect everybody. There's no way to assess how this comment is going to affect 15 people in a room. I have an example in a movie, in a movie quote. Let's hear it. Um, we might have to edit a little bit, but I think it'll be good. Is there swearing? No. Okay. Let's see. Tell me if you know what it is. Um, service, madame. Oh, thanks, but uh, Ron gave me this tuna presentation to do, and I'm really way behind. Well, you got to eat something, honey. Well, if I wanted something to eat, Jack, I would have come down and had something to eat with you and your girlfriends. Do you know what it's from? Mr. Mom. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's get into it. (laughs) Get into what, Jack? Get into this. The house is a mess, Jack. The kids are a mess, Jack. You're a mess, Jack. I'd leave anything else out? Want to talk about the beer? (laughs) All right. The beard's in its transitional stage right now, that's all. <laughs> when it comes in, it's going to look great. And it's going to look like a movie star, uh, what's his name? Orson Welles? No, I'm... 
foursome. <laughs> oh, I get it. Fat jokes, right? That's real uh, funny. Yeah, I put on a couple of pounds. So what? Come on. What else do you have? You want to talk about this shirt for a second, Jack? All right. You've been wearing this shirt around the house for about two weeks now. It can walk around by itself. Why don't you retire that thing to the Dry Cleaning Hall of Fame, huh? Because it's a comfortable shirt. Jack, take a look at yourself. You've really thrown in the towel, honey. <laughs> My brain is like oatmeal. I yelled at Kenny today for color on outside the lines. Megan and I are starting to watch the same TV shows, and I'm liking them. <laughs> I'm losing it. Honey, I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's good. I just thought of I yelled at Kenny for yell, for yelling for, for coloring, coloring outside, outside the, the lines. lines, and I like it. <laughs> um, so funny. And what's happening in both of them is they both have some things they have not talked about because she's envious that he's downstairs with all of her friends, yeah. or you know, yeah. with all the other moms, and so she's feeling not seen and heard. And he's feeling like he's losing his mind. Well, she thinks that he's not pulling his weight, which he's not. Which by the he's way. not. He's letting the house go. Right. Like his job is to keep this right. house functioning. Correct. And it's not. Right. And, and on top of that, he's not paying attention to her. Yeah. And and he's mad at her because she's bringing in the money and he thinks that's his job. And he's mad at her because he's feeling that with the hard work he's doing, she is like pointing out and criticizing him rather than noticing what he is doing, even right. though, you know, um, it's, it, I'm not saying either one of them is right or wrong. That scene is meant. It well, almost we can be, all relate to that. We can. And both Neither sides. one is right. And they're both right. And they're both wrong. They're both right. And they're both wrong. Because y- rarely is anything ever one sided. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's examples, but most of the time it's, I need to take responsibility for whatever it is that we are having tension about, and you need to, too. And then we need to hear how each other sees it. Which is really hard to do. Which may not be the way we see it. Yeah. That's the thing, is we don't have to agree to acknowledge each other's perspective. Right. Because I could see it so differently, but that's because of my history and my experience. Yeah. And it would not be the same as yours. Words of wisdom by Mr. Mom. Well, and it's funny that she says you that he he looks like Orson Welles because we learned a piece of trivia about Orson Welles this weekend. Yes. What was that? It was he is the voice in Magnum PI. That as for Robin Masters. Yeah. So we, we were playing the eighties game this weekend. Eighties trivia game. Eighties trivia game, which was funny because Todd and I are Todd and I were on different teams, but I'm like, okay, my team, we're gonna do fine. I'm like, I have all this trivia. But there is one thing you so you can do music, movie, TV. And I'm like, I felt super confident. But one of them was events. Right. And I know no events from the 80s. Because, because we were not paying attention to events in the 80s. I was paying attention to TV, music, and movies. Yeah, those were the events. I, exactly. But my brother-in-law, he was paying attention to events, and he was on my team. So yeah. we did all right. Yeah. But one of the questions was, on Magnum P.I., who was the voice of Robin Masters? And we didn't know, so we said John Forsyth because he was Charlie. Charlie from Charlie's Angels. So we just threw that out there. But it was Orson Welles. How about that? And we're like, why would Orson Welles do that? Well, there's a lot of people that thought Higgins was Robin Masters. Ah. Remember that? I, do, I remember who we're Higgins was. We're going deep into the Magnum P.I. Wow. fan base here. And huh. I'm guessing a lot of people might be bored about our Magnum P.I. deep. I don't think so. No? I think there's a lot of Tom Selleck fans. He's one of the only guys that can really pull off a mustache. He is. Can and you think of anybody else that can pull off a mustache and look good doing it? Do you remember when Chandler and Joey wanted to wear mustaches because <laughs> yeah. they liked his mustache? Richard, yeah. When he, when Richard had one, they could right. pull it off. No. Very few guys can. And they tried to smoke cigars like Richard? Yes. It just didn't work out. So, okay. So are we moving on from... Pema, and then I want to do a question. And... Before, yes, I want to do a question, but also I don't want to leave people too much in the lurch. I want to give, after Pema, I want to give three things that they can do. Okay. To Action steps? Action steps. I love action steps. I know, steps. I know. So here's Pema Chodron. Talking she's about a, pain. She's a Buddhist nun or something. She is. Is that right? She's awesome. I love her. I spend a lot of time just trying to encourage people that they have the capacity to feel pain or unpleasant feelings or suffering, whatever you want to call it, just allow yourself to be fully human. Human beings don't just feel good. Have you noticed that? And animals too, you know, we don't just feel good. 
the, the, the richness of life includes the whole tapestry of good and bad and happy and sad. And so, but happy, good, winning, all of that, people don't have too much problem with, you know. But it's, as soon as you even get near something that feels uncomfortable, uncomfortable abu substance abuse comes from that. Uh, all kinds of addictions come from that. Uh, I think all, uh, like, uh, violence and uh, domestic violence and about violence to kids and, and all that, I think it all comes, comes, from that. comes from that. Everyone, that's the sad thing. Everyone's trying to feel good, and they do terrible things to feel good. To make good. themselves. Every Is that good? Everyone's trying to feel good, but they do terrible things. Mm -hmm. To do it, to get to there. To get there. And they don't get there anyways. What we try and do is skip over the pain and get to the lesson. Or we try and skip over the pain and say, well, I'll just never do that again. Mm -hmm. It's like we're trying to like leap over the whole, and again, all of these teachers just said this, the transformational part. Right. We're, we're like, no, thank you. We're trying to go to college without going to any classes. Right. We're like, I'd like my degree. Well, two weeks ago, we did a quick talk about how you and I had something pretty significant pop up, and we had a long discussion about it. And I was, while you were talking, I was trying to get the lesson so that I would never... Correct. So we would never get to this point again. Uh -huh. When, in fact, all I really needed or should have done is just sit in it. Sit in that discomfort. Right. But instead, I was trying to skip over the discomfort and go to the lesson. Right. You're like, okay, I'll sit through your pain, Kathy, and listen to this, but just tell me how we can make this never happen again. Yeah. And that in itself is dismissing, and I'm not trying to rehash this. I'm talking about this outside of our own emotional experience. That in itself tells the person that's giving you their feelings that you don't want to hear it. Right. That if the whole concept of holding space is I accept this part of you, it might be dark, it might be uncomfortable, it might have a lot of pain, it might be a little cringy, but I have the capacity to tolerate this. Right. Oh, parents, if you know, if you could only know how important that is for your kids, when your kids come home and they say, someone was mean to me, and instead of us jumping to the solution of, well, this is what you need to say, or what did you say to them first, or how are we going to manage this, or where are you going to sit tomorrow? Instead of trying to jump to the lesson and solve it, what if we just sat there and said to them, oh, that sounds like a tough day. Which is empathy. It's empathy, it's compassion, and it's sitting. Now, when I say sitting in pain, we don't have to carry their pain. Right. But it's allowing them to sit in that pain. And they haven't been able to because they've been at school, so they can't express that pain. So they come home to a place, hopefully, where it's safe to express it. So if we start... Solving it. Solving it, they never expressed it, and that's how we kind of get very confused. And then, over time, they come to us when they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and then there comes a point when they realize that the person who can't handle their pain the most is their parent. Yeah. And so then they tell their friends, and their friends become more like a peer advisor, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, they oftentimes don't have the best advice. And that's not the kind of thing we want to set up. Sometimes they're going to go to their friends, and that's fine. I, hopefully they have friends who are very compassionate and understanding and listen to them. It's not that all kids – I think kids have the capacity sometimes more. Part of the reason that I love high school movies that are deep yeah. and profound is because I think it demonstrates the way kids really are, oh, yeah. which is heart-opened and heart-centered. John Hughes. He knew it. He got it. That's why all of his movies are warm, yeah. is because he understood the kids are still wide open. Yeah. They still have their chest cracked open, and they see themselves in other people. Yeah. Um, but as parents, even though maybe we have been practicing one way, you can change this tomorrow. Like, you may be listening to this going, ugh, I just did that, mm -hmm. like, this morning to my child. That's what's great about parenting. You're going to get another chance. You're going to get another chance, and you just... Do it differently and sit down and go, oh, that sounds like it hurts. And it doesn't mean that if you do it differently tomorrow means that your kids are going to respond the way you want them to. Sometimes it takes weeks, months, years to kind of get back to where. But the bottom line is what path are you going to be on? Are you going to keep on repeating the same same pattern even though you now know better or are you going to switch that behavior and trust that it is the right thing to do? Because if you are in alignment 
with your own emotional experience, if you are in that empathetic place, which we are naturally wired to be in, then you're going in the right direction. Yeah. The outcome may not be initially, they may initially say, what are you doing? Well, Mom? they don't believe you. They don't believe you. What is this? And so we can't guarantee if you do this, beauty and, and you know flowers will bloom. I don't know that. But what I know is if you are in your alignment and your integrity and your truth, then things grow from that. Yeah. That's a, a new a place to start from. Right. And instead of, uh, it, the, the thing that's interesting to me when I talk to people about you know, emotional experiences with their partner or with their kids, they're always trying to manipulate a situation. Like, well, I'm going to say this instead. I'm going to show up looking this way. I'm going to come around this way. And so they're not expecting me. It's a constant manipulation right. rather than put down all the ideas, get out of your head, get into your heart and your body and respond from that place. And it's very, you know why, Todd? Because it's very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because when you are being your true self and you are being authentic and real, if you are then rejected, yeah. then you feel that shame, huge. Yeah. Yeah. It goes from... Yeah, it's shame filled. If you have the mask on and you're manipulating and then you reject you're rejected, you're like, Well, yep. I gave it a try. Right. It was never you to begin with, so you feel like I'm a little protected. So answering the question, do we think we're enough? And yes. if we're showing our true self and then we get rejected, the answer in that moment is no, we don't think they are because somebody just rejected us. Exactly. So give me the three tips. Okay, three tips. And again, they're all each an individual show, but if I'm just going to give them to you so just you can keep them in your mind and kind of go through them. The things that we can do to oh. deal with our pain. Ready? Let me do a drum roll. Where is the drum roll? There it is. Number one, developing, practicing your emotional intelligence. What does that mean? recognize and identify and name the feelings you're feeling at any given time, okay? That in itself then allows you to differentiate between this is sadness, oh, actually I'm frustrated, you know what, I'm angry, but truly I was embarrassed first. Um, I'm feeling joy, I'm leaning into this, now I'm not feeling joy. It's identifying what you're feeling. Developing... And practicing, and practicing your own emotional intelligence. So that means as a man, uh, you know, it's funny. We had Brian and yeah, Eric on last, last week, week and Brian talked about, um, you know, how women have a lot of different words for emotions, but in the Mankind Project, we use five, you know, mad, glad, shame, all these. So for, what are the five? Do you remember? I don't. I, I, it mad, was joy, anger. Mad, glad, Is shame. it really mad and glad? Yeah, I think so. Really? I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. I should know, but I don't. Okay. Um, but... You, in order to process it, you need to be able to name it, right? identify with it. So anyways. And oftentimes with children, they feel it in their bodies. And I think adults do too, but sometimes we're not as tapped into it. Where, does, where do you feel anger? Where do you feel you know, sadness? Yeah. Where do you feel it? So not only name it with your mind and with words, but how do you know you're feeling it? Right. What happens to you? Yeah. Do you break out in a sweat? Mm -hmm. Like right before I'm about to cry, I kind of, yeah. my, my skin gets clammy well, and in my... Where do you feel it in your body? Yes. Do you feel it in your head? You get a headache? Do you yeah. get a stomach ache? Is your, does your heart start racing? Yes. Like that's being present right. with what's going on inside your body. Well, Todd and I have both recognized at different times over the last 10 years that when we are having a um, either discussion with each other, having our own person ex personal experience of the mind almost arguing with the heart, mm -hmm. that we get a headache because mm -hmm. the head gets confused. Mm -hmm. Like when when we've had an, uh, an extreme aha or something that's mystical, uh, maybe I'll just speak for myself, but I... I know that this has happened to you too. When I've experienced something mystical or something coincidental or synchronistic, sometimes in the joy of that experience, I also get a headache because mm. my mind is like, what is this? My yeah. heart knows exactly what it yeah. is. My heart, my body trusts that this is exactly well, how it's supposed to sometimes be. Sometimes our brains are wired towards logic. And if you just observed something that is illogical, yes. it gets confused and then reacts. It's like it, the wires are like, yeah. they like don't know what to do with that information. Number two. Number two. So easy yet so difficult. Learn to sit with your negative feelings. Mm. Notice that you're trying, I'll use Glennon's language, you're trying to pass the hot potato. Yeah. Notice when you want to get on social media and troll someone and say, you suck. I hate your book. Um, you should shut up. My political candidate's better. You know, you guys all blow. You are passing a hot potato. Yeah. Because 
sometimes the things people write, especially about like politics and stuff, are you really that angry about that thing? Yeah. Or is there just a lot of anger in you and you are channeling it through that thing? Right. You You're know? expressing it negatively, kind of like what we've been talking about the whole show, really. So how do you sit with your negative feelings? And we've already discussed this previous, you know, on other shows and also in the last however many minutes. But if you can sit with it and breathe, if you can breathe and recognize where that feeling is, you may still need to cry, yell, go run around the block, talk to your friend, journal it. I'm not saying sit with it and then push it down. I'm saying don't pass it. Right. Okay? All right. Number Uh, three. And my favorite, create situations for positive feelings. hmm. Okay? So not you don't have to wait. You, You don't have to sit around and be like, well, all you have to deal with is this negativity. Do things that create positive feelings in you and make choices that maybe do the opposite. As we've said on the show, don't watch the news if it drives you crazy. Don't constantly look at the stock market if it makes your stomach hurt. Don't constantly look at the polls if it scares you. Um, don't do things that are creating negative feelings in you. Make you know if if watching um, you know a scary show or Game of Thrones gives you a headache, maybe it's not the best show for you. And I know it's good. Todd and I just started watching Stranger Things. A little creepy. We've watched only the first one. But it's it's I you're we're gonna keep watching, right? Yeah. I think, I think so. I've heard from so many people how well, good it is. I have a resource, upliftconnect.com. Are you connected to that? I don't think so. So it's just one of those awesome optimistic websites okay. and has videos and articles. Today's article are 15 ways to help create a more beautiful world. Wonderful. Right? And it's action-oriented. Uh, I, I I know, I mean, there's a bunch of them like this. The other ones, can we go to the very root of violence and be free from it? What mindfulness is missing? An important message from, okay. So there's just, it's just a, a really good resource. That's all. So this is just the, you know, the find things that create situations for positive feelings. Basically, it is do things that make you feel good. Do things that are part of your own self-care practice. Make yourself count, okay? Like make yourself, don't betray yourself and put everybody else before you. Make yourself count. And make sure you check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Um, um, I, I have to say something. These ideas, I was reading an article on Tiny Buddha, mm-hmm. and that's where these came from. Okay. It does not give who wrote it, so I can't give her credit, um, but I thought that her three things really were very helpful to How do you our know discussion. it was a she, sweetie? You know, Tiny Buddha is run by a woman, and that doesn't mean she's the only writer. There's plenty of men, um, but I have a feeling. I just, I have a I'm feeling. I'm saying it, it may have been a guy. It may have been a guy. I will say I don't know. It's, Sometimes we got to say I'm I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You're not saying, but you're saying. Our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company Painting and Remodeling throughout the Chicago area, avidco.net. Uh, don't forget about my coaching for guys uh, practice that I've opened up, uh, toddadamscoaching.com. So check that out. Um, regular, Ready for the listener's question? I'm ready. You have not yet heard this, so I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. Okay. Uh, this is from our friend Tina. She's a good friend of ours. My oldest daughter is a When junior. you say that, do we know her? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my old, She's from Elmhurst. Okay. My oldest daughter is a junior. Last year, she had an AP class as a sophomore and honors in English, math, chem, and French. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. She's always been a quick study, but this overwhelming schedule pushed her and her family to the brink. No breathing room, assignments, etc., falling through the cl- cracks because our sweet student just couldn't keep up. And it almost pushed her to procrastinate more than the regular bit because things were so daunting. Mm, escape. Relate, right? I can relate, yeah. So when her suggested junior schedule came out with AP courses, we said, no way. And she worked with a school counselor to reset her schedule. Awesome. Right? She's been working much more independently now that I think she has a more manageable workload. But in math, she insisted on sticking with the highest level enriched pre-calc with AP statistics. Okay. That's a mouthful. She's doing great on homework and problem sets. Um, She can use resources like the text and notes, but she's failed both of her first quizzes that are done quick and by memory. My question is, how do I suggest that she drop down a level to honors pre-calc, definitely not a blow-off class, without giving her the feeling that we don't have faith in her? Hmm. Her younger sister is in accelerated math and 205 
two and taking geometry as an eighth grader, and I sense there's some sibling competition. Mm. Any advice? Appreciate it. Well, I mean, there is no there is no absolute answer. Um, I would say that the most important thing is that this is an open conversation where you don't assume that you have the right answer. Right. Because if you come at her with a, you know, your dad and I have decided this is the right answer for you, then you backed her up against a wall where she feels like she's going to cave in and possibly disappoint herself. And you might be right. There might be some sort of sibling, um, you know, we experience that in our home, like sure. that comes up, you know, where there is a feeling of they're doing that, I have to keep up with them, or if I drop down that I'm not as valuable. Um, so those conversations are important to be had, but I would keep the answer, I'm doing something with my hands that you guys can't see, create some space around what the right answer is, because she First of all, I want to back up and say I'm just in awe that she was able to decide this year to not do that to herself again. Right. That in itself is growth. Yeah. Like she – and you may say, well, we told her she couldn't, but there was obviously an agreement where she was like, this is what's best for me. And I don't know how much fighting there was or arguing or maybe there was none, um, but she was – you guys were all in alignment about the decision. With this one – what she needs to know is that you are okay with her dropping down. Yeah. We need different language. It's not dropping down. Yeah. Going to the class that's right for her. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. Because the imagery, when I say dropping down, is failure. failure. Yep. You know? And what instead, I was talking to one of my daughters about this a couple of weeks ago when map tests were going on. Our children can always be encouraged to learn new things and to to um, you know to to grow and have growth experiences and push themselves and all those things can happen but they often have kind of a natural place that they fall mm -hmm. you know we know this because their kids are at all different levels right and it's not because some are lazy and some are smart it's because all kids are different and they learn differently and they have different skill sets and so the language we need to use for them is what's the right fit for you rather than you're dropping up or dropping down or going up or dropping down. I think that's an important point. I think you're right. The language is going to be critical because uh, the word drop... Just in itself. In itself presents certain negative connotation. And I would, instead of beating around the bush with what could be going on, I'm very big into asking the direct question. Do you feel like if you go into the class that's right for you that other kids that you think other kids will be thinking about it or you won't feel as smart? Do you think the teachers will look at you differently if you go into the class that's right for you? Um, do you feel like your sister do it? Just go at the I question. Would, yeah. And I would say give her language to, you know, to be prepared that so when maybe somebody says, well, why did you move from this class to that class? Say, I want to put myself in a position to do- To succeed. To succeed in all of my classes. That's and right. that one is just- putting me over the brink and, you know, forget whether it's AP or honors or normal. I don't even know what all the categories are. It doesn't really, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me and put themselves in a position to be challenged. But there's a balance of being challenged. If you're completely overwhelmed, it's not a good fit. To put myself in a position that I can be successful with my school day and also be emotionally healthy. Yeah. You know, like we tend to focus so much on IQ with our children yeah. that we forget to focus on their emotional wellness. And so we're like, well, this is, this is how you'll get A's is if you do this. And we also need to say, this is how you will be able to sleep at night. Yeah. This is how you'll be able to enjoy your weekends. Well, I, I would love to ask her, when was the last time she went and played with her friends after school for no reason? Well, she's in high school, so I don't think play with her friends is the right Whatever. language. Whatever. Hang out with her friends at the Starbucks. Right. Or Whatever. maybe she has hung out with them, but what's the last time she's hung out with them without feeling stressed about the fact that she's hanging out with them? Yeah. Because sometimes our kids maintain their social schedule, but while they're being social, they're absolutely anxiety-ridden about right. what they have to do when they get home. So I sometimes think we shouldn't just look at their actions. We should go more deep inside to what they might be feeling when they're doing what they're doing. So so just to narrow this down, because Todd and I just talked about a bunch of things. Number one, change the language with how you talk Present about it. the class right. and also talk to her about how she feels and not just about what her grades are going to be. The thing I tell my college students always is, you know, about their grades and about their A's and about their uh, um, 
rank in class is that nobody cares after they get out of school. No one will ask them their rank. Nobody will. No one is going to ask your daughter how many AP and honors classes she was in once she's out of college or out of, I know everyone's going, but it's so important for college. I know. Well, and we'll do another whole show on that because it's not that important. I don't care. Well, it's important if they think they're going to a certain school and the certain school says you have to do this. And and my contention, and this is a whole nother show, but if, Okay, so you don't you go to instead of Illinois, you go to Illinois State, or instead of Harvard, you go to print whatever. It doesn't matter, but there's uh, options. Options. And sometimes what we've done is we've created a story in our mind, and we haven't taken into consideration what feels right and what is a good fit for us. We've created a story of. Um, and Tina, I'm not saying you've done this with your daughter because it sounds like you're very open to her doing what fits for her. But a lot of times, maybe she's created a story in her mind mm-hmm. about what she needs to do and who she needs to be and what these classes and grades mean to her. And that's a conversation. Again, be loose around the decision and focus more around the conversation. Because if she makes the decision for herself, it's going to be a lot more valuable than her being forced by an adult. Drop the mic, sweetie. You want me to stop talking? Um, yeah, because it ended so beautifully. And it's an hour and six minutes. No. Yes. So two reviews that we got, uh, one from Mel2103 from the USA and uh, Lauren Elaine from the USA. Um, thank you for those amazing- you, you didn't read them. Well, it's like three paragraphs. You want well, me to read do you want to give like a sentence just so they feel like their words were uh, acknowledged? Sure. Mel said, thanks for a wonderful show. And Lauren says, always real, not just great. It's life altering. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Todd and I, um, obviously he gets a email when there's new reviews, so we get to read them right away. Mm. But people write really nice things on the oh reviews. My gosh. Forget about so it. So if you guys are ever bored, go read our reviews because they're fun. And maybe maybe even write one because they help. You do. They help people find us. Um, we're going to have a show, I think, on Friday. We're going to interview a woman named uh, Devorah Heitner. Um, she uh, founded Raising Digital Natives, and it's going to be all about screen stuff, right? So similar to our um, – she wrote a book about screens, technology. and Her book, uh, Screenwise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in the so, Digital Age. So it's very similar to what Screenagers, the documentary, is talking about. That's right. It's all perfect. So that's all I got. And if perfect means – not perfect. That's right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you like this. This is a longer show, hour and seven minutes. Oh, it's okay. Hopefully you hung tough because um, we have a lot of shows. We had two shows last week. We have two shows this week. So keep trucking. Have a good week, everybody. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FamZoo logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.